grab your scriptures, please. Turn to the 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are looking at verses 1 through 3. This is the sixth message on three points. Had somebody accuse me of a pastor's thing on Thursday. It sounded to me like you can preach on a comma. And I said, depends on where the comma's at. I'm going to ask that we go to the heart, with our hearts to the Lord in prayer. And then we'll read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you to give you glory. And yet, Father, we seek your word now that we may see that glory. The manifestation of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and your people individually. And Father, the passion of my soul to see that manifestation in your bride, your church. Father, help us to hear, to hear you. Father, give us ears to hear. May your spirit and your people illuminate and reveal the awesomeness of what you're doing in your people. The privilege of being in your church. Father, the joy of ministering to the saints. And Father, the power that is at our access. Help us. Help us. To your praise. In Christ's name. Amen. Verse 1, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that you were pagans. You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to review this really quick. I didn't lay verses out in the the points because if you go back and listen to all six of these messages, you're going to find out that I dealt with the importance. You're going to find out that I dealt with the source and that I dealt with the test over and over and over and over again. And here's the reason. It's not that I think that you're a slow learner. The reason is, is that the Apostle Paul in verse 1 says, I do not want you to be unaware. One of the greatest tragedies in the body of Christ today is that there is an unawareness of our spiritual gifts. That we have a supernatural enabling that God has so that the manifestation of Christ, the incarnation, exists today. And yet we, it is not a talent. I want you to understand that I'm not talking about a talent. There are talented people. Okay, that's not a talent. I am talking about a supernatural enabling that allows me to do something that is not in my abilities. Okay? And that's what we've been looking at. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to be unaware. Why? This church had some problems. We've already looked at the first six chapters of this book. He deals with the divisions. You have immorality. You have backbiting. You have gluttony. You have people who have perverted the Lord's table. He says, you've got all of this going on. Nobody's getting along. He says, literally in chapter 1, I want you to be of the same mind. I want you to be of the same speech. I want you to be of the same judgments. Why? Because there will be a unity that exists that everybody else is going to say, I don't understand that. That is not natural. No, it is 
supernatural. Remember I shared with you I had to repent from something and I've told you guys for years that I said, and I, I said that I repent because I was wrong. Okay, and I, I've made this statement over and over and over. That doctrine divides. That's wrong. Doctrine unites. You've got to understand that. Why? You know what? I've been convicted that, that I need to be, I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. Now listen, I had three different people call me and tell me, and I told them where I was preaching and all the rest of it. They said, you need to slow down. And I said, slow down. I'd like to get this done before the millennial kingdom was over. Okay? But he says, you need to slow down. He says, the thing that's killing the church today is what? They're unaware. They're ignorant of spiritual gifts. Why? If they're not ignorant of spiritual gifts, why is there so much confusion over it? Okay, and I can tell you why. You don't counterfeit that that is invaluable. Okay? You don't see counterfeiters going out counterfeiting pennies. Do you? Okay? And the enemy looks at us as a body of the incarnation. Remember I used John MacArthur's illustration? Two bodies. Do you know that there's going to be three incarnations? Oh, I hate that, don't you? Well, he's a blasphemer. No, one was 2,000 years ago. Okay, an individual. Two is existing today. The incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ is today. There'll be a third. And that's the one where everything rolls back. The sky rolls back like, a, like a, one of them old shades. Your grandma had one of them old shades. You let pull it like that. And, go, and the sky's going to roll up like that. And everybody's going to say, look, Jesus. <laughs> okay, that'd be the third. They're not going to say that happily. But they're going to say, oh, look. Jesus. Oh, whoa, look, Jesus. I, you know, and I think it's going to be in harmony. Oh, look, Jesus. Whoa. Okay. So, but the, the incarnation exists today. You can see it manifested in men and women on an individual basis. But the greatest power that exists today is when the body of Christ unites. And the power of the abilities of the Spirit through the individuals brings them together collectively. It looks in oneness, so oneness, John 17 says, that it will look like the Father and the Son. How can you tell the difference between the Father and the Son? Can't. And the body of Christ will look like that. That's amazing. That is amazing. And I've experienced that. I've experienced that numerous times. That's why I would like to see you guys go to the Shepherds Conference. You go out to the Shepherds Conference, you're going to see a church that's about 16,000 members, but you're going to see about 2,000 to 3,000 pastors from all over the planet that are bringing their doctrine in and saying, let us sit and reason together, brethren, over the Holy Word of God. And there's a oneness that exists there that you sit there and go, whoa. Okay, it's a good whoa. It's not the curse whoa. It's the whoa. All right. And you just think, you know, I, you know, I used to think that the reason men became preachers is because they can't sing. Okay, if you can't sing, then you probably ought to preach. All right. But I heard 3000 preachers, 2200, sorry, 2200 preachers sing Be Thou My Vision. And I thought we were going home. I just expected the top of the building opened up and we're out of here. Okay. And then I woke up and there I was still standing. This guy's next to me was from Houston, Texas. I know he's saved, but I hope we don't talk like that when we get to glory. Anyway, <laughs> it is important that we know this. Why? Where's the source from? Have you ever seen what I call grouchy Christians? Okay. They're saved, but you can always tell them by their foreheads. It's got lines across, a whole bunch of lines across, and they're kind of doing this. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? 
It's some Christians that you see who are just, I used my, this illustration with my wife yesterday. I said, they're standing out in the middle of the holy field and they're kicking up a lot of dust and they think they're busy. Okay, but they're mad about it. Why? Well, I would be too. Stand out in the middle of the field and all you can do is stir up dust. You ought to be mad. Okay, do you realize that as a Christian, your only responsibility here on this planet is to deal with the eternal destination of human souls? That's it. What greater job on the planet Earth is there than that? There isn't one. There isn't one. But I see Christians after Christians after Christians after Christians standing out in the proverbial wilderness, kicking up a whole bunch of dirt and dust, thinking they're being productive. And they're not doing it God's way. Why? They're doing it on their abilities. Okay? Their hearts may be, honestly, I want to help serve Jesus. And that may be where they're going wrong. I just want to die. So all of everything I see is Jesus. Get me out of the way. Because then you know what? I may be plowing the ground. I may be watering the ground. I may be reaping a harvest. But I ain't stirring up a bunch of dust. See the difference? Why? If the supernatural God is working through that vessel, then there is a crop. Okay, guaranteed, he already promised. It may be five, it may be ten, it may be a hundredfold, but there will be a crop. Here's our problem. Well, if there ain't like 10 or 15, 20,000 people there, what am I going to go? Okay, if you get the privilege to invest in one soul, you've already done more than any world leader that history has ever known. It's just one soul. That's all. One eternal soul. Now let me ask you a question. Who's qualified? Who's adequate, the Apostle Paul said, to deal with the souls of men? Nobody. We've already dealt with that. Remember chapter 3? He says, I'm going to take the fools to confound the wise. I had a PhD in foolishness. I'm going to take the weak to overthrow the strong. Why? Because who gets credit? Who's the source then of what men and women do in the body of Christ? God is. God is. And that's what we've been looking at. And he says there, you know, in verse 2, he says, you know what? You used to be pagans. It's literally the word Gentile. Ethnos. You used to be this. And you were just led away by emotion. I dealt with that two weeks ago. Emotion has no part. Listen, when they tell you you're going to worship in spirit and in truth, spirit is not emotion. It's pneumachia. It's pneumachia. It's definite article. You know what that means? You will worship in the Holy Spirit and in truth. And it isn't this, woo! That is not it. He says you can pray in the spirit, but you will pray with your mind. You will sing in the spirit, but you will sing with your mind. Okay, God is a God of the mind. He was a thinking God. Did you know that? He sat around and said, hmm, how can I pull this off? And we are to be his followers. Listen, yes, I agree there are emotions. God created emotions, Pastor. You need Yes, he did. But let me tell you something. Your sin perverted them. Okay, and you don't think it is? We can say we love one another. We use the same word for our chihuahua that we use for our grandma 
that we'll use for our brides. And I'll tell you what, if I love my bride the way I love a chihuahua, I'm going to get divorced. <laughs> okay? It's, got, it's, a, it's a love of volition. It's a, a love of will. Okay? How many try to love on what's in it for them? That ain't it. And you can only do that supernaturally. So there is a source there. And we start looking at the test. How do you test this? And I showed this to you. Okay? The manifestation of the gifts is piece of cake to test. Absolutely piece of cake to test. Do you know that? All I have to do is look at Jesus. Did he manifest that? That's it. Why? The Holy Spirit will manifest who? Christ. Through the individual and through the corporate body. Right? So if Jesus Christ did that, then... Well, now, wait a minute. What about the gift of languages? Who created language? Huh? Jesus did. Did he communicate? Yes. With his mind. You know, I hear people say, well, what about the prayer language? Well, his disciples asked him about that. Not exactly phrased that way. Can you teach us how to pray? Okay. And what was Jesus' response? Well, the Holy Spirit has come on to you and you're going to slip into some kind of coma. You're going to get real emotional. And you're going to have this gibberish come out of there and therefore you won. No. What did he say? Pray in this manner. And he gives you an outline. First and foremost, you... Holy God, bring all the adoration and praise unto God. And then second, deal with yourself. Okay, so give you, here's your prayer language. What is it? Is there times that the Holy Spirit intercedes? Yes, you betcha. You betcha. Romans 8 teaches us that. Okay, so there's tests that are already there. But the Lord, you don't understand. I got a word of knowledge from God. Okay, what does it say? Well, it lines up with Scripture, and you say, yes, it's of God, but why did I need it? I already got the Scriptures. Okay, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then guess what? It ain't from Him. See, see what I'm trying to get at? Look at the manifestation of Christ and ask yourself a simple question. Is what that person is claiming as a spiritual gift manifested in the person of Jesus Christ? It's not complicated. I have a spiritual gift of music. I wonder what instrument Jesus played. I wonder who his worship leader was. Okay, see what I'm trying to... We, have, we serve a God, a God of the mind. Use your brains, people. Yes, there's emotions. I was sharing with uh, a Thursday night Bible study. There's times when I study scripture, just reading it. I mean, I'm not sitting there trying to exegete nothing or anything, homiletician or nothing like that. I'm just sitting there reading it, and all of a sudden I find myself crying. Why? I just get overwhelmed by it. Okay, it just freaks me out. You just sit there and go, whoa. Okay, then somebody will call up and say, hey, would you like to buy the New York Post or something? And you I'm going to. <laughs> there are emotions. Don't ever get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But if you do not take them captive, every thought captive unto Christ, will your emotions lead you astray? Yo, dude, they'll lead you so far out in the middle of that field that you stir up so much dust, everybody see you out there making a mess. Okay? 
So I want to look at this. We started this verse three. And I was just, he says, here's a test. I call it, uh, Dr. Olford used to say it this way. I love the way he'd say it. This is a doctrinal test. A what? A doctrinal? What does that mean? Is that a place where you pull boats? Um, it, it's a doctrinal test. Okay? And someone was standing up in the Corinthian assembly saying, Jesus is anathema. Jesus is devoted to destruction. Okay? I'm not going to go into all of the reasoning why, but it's obvious that there was a problem um, that later became to known as a Gnostic heresy, that they were separating the human Jesus from the divine Jesus. And they believe, there's a lot of it still taught today, there's a lot of people who believe that at his baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, Holy Spirit came upon him at that point in time, he came 100% God, 100% man. Then just before his crucifixion, Holy Spirit left him, and that's why he yelled out on the cross, remember, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Okay, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there I see there, the Holy Spirit took off, and so, and we all know Deuteronomy chapter 21 says, hey, cursed as anyone hangs on a tree. Right? So all of you who climb trees, quit it. You're devoted to destruction. No. <laughs> anyway, nah, just lighten up, people. You know, the, you guys hear this on the website. Hey, get a grip. All right. That's not what was being said. They separated Jesus. Okay. Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. Okay. Now, I don't know how you get 200% of something in one container, but God does. All right. He was born of a virgin. He was sinless throughout his entire life. Do you know that? Think about that. Uh, we have some ladies in this church who have young children. How would it be to have a sinless baby? Huh? Think about that. You ever thought about that? Have you ever tried to teach your kids to say thank you? And he would say it first. Thank you, mother. Thank you, father. I already cut the grass. Trash is already taken out. Windows are cut. My homework is done. That's mind-boggling to me. My homework is done. Father, I'm only going to get an A in every subject. Josh, are you listening? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay. The problem with, and the reason that I believe this is if you look at it, spiritual gifts are dealt with in three chapters, 12, 13, and 14. Do never separate those three. Okay. A lot of people like to take chapter 13 and say, this is where I'm getting married. Got nothing to do with getting married. Okay, you know, love is not boastful, arrogant, puffed up and all them other things and it's long lasting. And I don't know. We'll read it. All right. But you see, I'm trying to get it. That ain't got nothing to do with you getting married. It's got to do with what are you doing with the power of Jesus Christ? Okay. The chapter 14 says, here's how you've perverted it. And then chapter 15, you know what the topic is? The resurrection. Which means that they've separated Jesus Christ from his deity. And you guys, he says, you know what? If we don't have that, our faith is in vain. And then he says this, anyone who does not love the Lord, he is accursed and anathema. Okay. And he literally lays it out. The Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. And we looked at this in depth last week. Lord, curious. You know what that means? Sovereign. King, ruler, creator. Okay. Jesus, savior. Christ, anointed, empowered by. 
Okay? And you don't separate it. You can't say, I like him as Savior, I like to be empowered by him, but that Lord thing, you can keep that. I'm an American. This is a representative republic. Now you can't do that. Okay? So we looked at the negative, and now I want to look at the positive. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, anyone who ministers a gift, and I don't care what the gift is, the first thing you want to do when you hear that person or see that person ministering is what do they say about Jesus, King, Savior, anointed? Okay, and then what does their life say? I remember running into a guy who did biblical counseling. And they would seek this guy out because he's world-renowned and everybody. And when they would seek him, they'd come to his office. They, he would say, they would say, we would like you to counsel us. We want to get married or get unmarried or whatever it was they were dealing with. You know, I'm dealing with depression or oppression or suppression or something. I don't know. They were dealing with this. And the first thing he'd always ask every person who came to his office was, I want to see your checkbook. Well, we were told that you do this for free. He says, I do. But once I see what you spend your money on, I can tell who you serve. Interesting concept, isn't it? Interesting concept. So when I see a person, quote unquote, ministering in their gift. First of all, I'm going to know, verse 2 says, that they weren't led away by these emotions, this ecstatic, this enthusiasm, ecstasies. Okay? Um, They are leading with all of their faculties, but they are also leading with their mind. They are leading with their heart. They are leading with thought and reason and emotion, and it's all one package. Okay? And that person will say... That Yeshua is curious. Yeshua is the term, the Jewish term. It's translated Joshua. It literally means savior of his people. But he is Lord. Curious. Um, I can know that it is the Holy Spirit working through that person. Okay. Now, I want to show you something here. We've got to look at this because I know a lot of people. I used to work in construction, and when I worked in construction, I heard a lot of people calling on Jesus. Okay? They called Jesus all kinds of things. All right? And it says that no one can call him Lord except by the Spirit. Um, in the original language, I don't want to get into the, the dynamic. They call it the didactics of it. But I don't want to get into that. I just want you to understand something here. The way this is laid out in the original language, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, has absolutely nothing to do with a verbal statement. Do you hear what I said? But it's in quotes. It says that they will say Jesus is Lord. It It is a huge... Huge understatement in the original language. How huge is it? It has nothing to do with saying it. It has to do with committed to it. Okay? And they cannot have that commitment unless it is done by... How? Bible studies? Church attendance? Church membership? No, it is only done by... The Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. 
One of the easiest things I've ever learned in my life as a Christian is how easy it is to see who rules one's life. Okay, now some people tell me, well, you know, that's person. I, listen, it is a piece of cake to see, spend very little time with a person and understand who is in charge of that person's life. Who rules that life? Piece of cake. What distresses you? What causes you to worry? Okay? What causes you to be anxious about something? All right? Anybody ever been anxious? Okay? Then Christ is not leading your life. That quick. Christ ain't leading your life. Why? He's sovereign. Do you understand that he up there? Oh, 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 look, there's one. Oh, wait, I didn't see that coming. Where, I, I didn't know they were going to go over and do that. Oh, wait, come back here. Do that. What? No, that ain't the way he operates. He says, you know what? This sucker is right on plan, right on schedule. It's going right on down to the nanosecond, and I'm in charge of it. There's nothing happening out here that God's saying, wow, dude, I wasn't expecting that. Listen, when it says here that Jesus is Lord, this is a deep conviction. Okay? This isn't that Jesus, you know, I'm into that Jesus part that says, well, you know, he, he, uh, I see him on Easter and Christmas. We got a thing going. No, that ain't it. This is an understanding of who he is. He is Lord. This is a divine, a Holy Spirit illuminating thing. This is to the person who is faithful to church. I hate to say that. Well, you're telling me you have to be in church? What's your alternative? Be out with Satan? What's your alternative? I can either go out in the world and spend all my time with Satan, or I can spend in the body of Christ. Which one do you want? Well, I think I'm going to take Satan. Well, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. But you'd lack an understanding. Why? The illuminating work of the Holy Spirit is evidently where? May not be in your life or you have quenched the Spirit. And we'll deal with all of these in the future. But I, it's, a, it's more than just a, a, a kumbaya Christ. Okay? It is, uh, he says that he will turn his face to he who fears my word. How many people fear the word? I do. I do. It is those people that you see who are in the word. You see it's those people who keep praying. You see those people. And when I, want to, when I use the church and the word and prayer, I want you to understand what I'm trying to get at when I use this term. He says, Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Do you really understand what he's saying here? He's saying a person is just flat out overwhelmed that Jesus is Lord. He's manifested himself in the individuals and drew them together and he's called them the body of Christ. And we will be able to look around and see him. He has given me his holy scriptures so I can literally get a look into the mind of God. And the only thing that you can do from that is fall on your knees and say, God, help me. That is Jesus' Lord. That's the phrasing that the Apostle Paul uses in the original language here. 
Okay, this word curio, curios, curio, is a New Testament translating of what is known as the tetragrammaton. Ooh. Okay, it's a New Testament translation of what is known as the tetragrammaton. The tetragrammaton is the Old Testament name for God. Okay, for those of you who are not aware of that, that would be Yahweh. Yahweh. The Jews to this day will not say it. It is too holy to even be said. We will not even say it. You will read, and and if you read, I got a letter from a Jewish person. That's what happens when you get on websites. Anyway, I got this letter, and he emails me, and when he comes to the word God, he puts three dots. He doesn't even spell God. Why? It's too holy. It's too holy to be said. It's too holy to be typed out. You don't say it. It's the tetragrammaton. It is the incarnation of who God is. Okay? When I see Curiel, Jesus is Lord. It is the New Testament writer saying Yahweh. Jesus is God. He did not become God at a point in time when the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was born God. He was God before his conception. It is a confession that Jesus is God. You know what it means? He ain't your buddy. I heard a person say, well, man, Jesus, just like that. That's spooky. I'm going to do the same thing that all the other people have done when they see him face to face. Uh-oh, hit the dirt. Hit the dirt. Do you realize how arrogant the church has become? We worship contemporary. We worship traditional. Well, we worship blended. The word worship means prostrate. Before God. That's what Paul is saying here. You guys are divided. You're disunified. You've got all of this junk going on. And you got, you got immorality. you got some dude who's with his father's wife. And you guys think it's cool. You don't know what to do with single people. You don't know what to do with married people. You don't know what to do with divorced people. That's what he started asking him in chapter 7. And he says, he's only God. What's the matter with you? I mean, i got to give Paul credit. I'd have used moron in here somewhere. <laughs> See, when someone confesses Jesus, let me, let me tell you something. My son came back. His name is Joshua. In the Hebrew, it is Ishua. Okay, it can be translated Joshua. It can also be translated Jesus. Okay? He ain't Jesus. I know. I've seen his bedroom. (laughs) Okay? Joshua is human. Jesus is human. Joshua is indwelt with 100% of the spirit of the living God. Jesus is 100% of the living God. He's not indwelt by it. He is it. It is manifest. 
And he says, I'm going to ascend to the right hand of the Father, but guess what? Have I got a deal for you? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and guess what you're going to do? You are going to manifest me to a lost and dying world. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Can you go do that? I'm going to go out and be Jesus. I guarantee you, as soon as you walk out the door, God is going to stick one of the nastiest human beings that have ever walked the planet right in front of you. I was standing in a checkout line, express checkout line. Men in grocery stores, I, don't, I have a phobia about grocery stores. I have three aisles that I go in a grocery store. I know my way to those aisles. I know my way out of those aisles. Did you know that they're not the same in other grocery stores? I went to the same three aisles and said, what am I doing here with women's feminine stuff? I was looking for a glass of water. Anyway, um, I, I just go in and I went in and got my... Two things. I have three aisles, but this day I only needed two of the aisles. I got my water and got my little little crackers things that I get coming out. And I'm going into the express lane. Okay? And I look, and I'm standing in the express lane. 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 And I watch three ladies go through with full color carts through the aisle next to me. And I'm still waiting for my two things. It's hard to be Jesus then, isn't it? But I got a wake-up call. The inquirer said that they'd found 10 new commandments from God. I said, dude, we're up to 20. Okay, so I mean, you know, I can keep busy. And then there's holiness that comes out. All right, let me go find out what these next 10 are. You know, I'm doing so well with the first. Okay. Jesus says, I will pour my spirit upon them. And in the next two weeks, two weeks, I want you to pay. You really need to be here. I know it won't be, it's going to be tough. But it's, uh, next, next, I prob- I'm going to try to do it next week. Next week, I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit's about. What does he do? He gets blamed for a lot. Okay, but what does he really do? Okay, and I'm going to try to cover that all in one message next week. That would be fun. I took... Seven days when I was in Russia. Anyway, um, seven, eight-hour days. Okay? So he, he will lead us to believe. All right? And as we believe, we will not separate Jesus Christ. See, he empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. It says Jesus, the man, is in fact God. So the test number one, as we walk out of this thing, Is there an accurate doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ in the person who claims to be using a spiritual gift? Is Jesus Lord of their life? Is Jesus their Savior? Is their power the power of God? Let me tell you something. It's seen. The deity and lordship and all sufficiency of Jesus Christ is a piece of cake. It's easy to see it. It's easy to see it. And this is very important. Why? He said so in verse 1. I don't want you to be unaware. Look at how busy the enemy is counterfeiting spiritual gifts. Think about it. I want you to think about this. I have a music ministry. Okay? Ministry. Anytime you see the word ministry, think about a service. Okay? I have a service. All right? I have a music ministry. All right? The gifts are given... For the equipping of the saints for the work of 
service or ministry. Is that true? No. There's no such thing. Absolutely no such thing. Okay? I love music. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you something. If music was the basis for the birth of the church, how did Paul get it done? They stoned Paul and left him for dead and took him outside the city gates. Did he come back in with his worship team leader? What? Or the band played on? Okay, I'm not, I don't want you, listen, I'm not against music. I love music. Yes, it is great to sing praises to the king. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, look at the stuff that we call ministry today and ask yourself if there's a supernatural. Ena- now, listen, if I jump up and start playing that piano, that is a supernatural enabling. Okay. But, but you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? Because that person, whoever it is, whatever they're claiming, has got a flawed view of the person of Jesus Christ. Is he all sufficient? For what? Life and godliness, Peter says. Life would be the temporal, godliness would be the eternal. Is he sufficient? Well, but what if I need counseling? Or what if I need some kind of a drug? Or what if I need some... What did you just say about the Lord Jesus Christ? He's not sufficient. Is there a flaw in that understanding? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important. If you don't believe me, look at the counterfeiters out there. It is valuable, and the reason that I say that is that the church might be built up, and it would be, in Ephesians chapter 4 says, into the fullness of Christ. We should be diligent to find out how we can use ours. You know what's another scary thing, is it? It's not used outside of the body of Christ that I can find in the New Testament. Do you know what that means? It's not used outside of the church. Okay. There are a whole bunch of people who are out there in the middle of the field stirring up a whole bunch of dust. Hearts are in the right place, but it's not of God. My responsibility is to teach you that you might come to maturity. In that, I am to love you so that you will have a context in which to hear the teaching and believe it and Also to set an example that you'll have a pattern to walk in. That's my responsibility. Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Things you've heard, things you've received. See, there's sometimes you'll hear it, but you don't receive it. Okay? The things you've heard, the things you've received, and the things you have seen. In me, do those things. Now listen, if you're not around, what are you seeing? That's why when I hear people saying, well, you know, I'm worshiping because I'm watching uh, Charles Stanley or Adrian Rogers on TV and that's my worship. What are you seeing? 
Better yet, what are they seeing? They don't see nothing. How are you using your gift? You're not. You know what you just did? You denied the person of Jesus Christ. He said he will be manifested in his church, not parachurch ministries, in his church. Let me tell you what your responsibility is. See the gifts developing by the Spirit of God in your life and use them to serve the body of Christ. Okay? You need to see the gifts that are developing by the Spirit of God in you. Listen, I can spot gifts usually relatively quick, but if I don't see you, I'm going to really have trouble spotting it. Okay? Listen, if you think you can go take a test and figure out what your spiritual gift is, you're nuts. Okay? If you take the test and it says, here's what your spiritual gift looks like in the flesh, you just said your flesh is stronger than the Holy Spirit. Okay? And I'll take you back. Then you don't think Jesus is Lord. Listen, I have seen so many pastors who do not have a clue what it is to teach the Word of God. They talk about it. They don't teach it. You know why I know that? I'm going to use this word. Get ready because I'm going to use this a lot in the months coming. They're not anointed. They're not anointed. That is the power from above coming through the man, the vessel, and making the ears of the hearers through the power of the Spirit in the hearers change right in front of their eyes. They're not anointed. They talk about the Bible. They even quote the Bible. They even pray about the Bible. They don't understand what it is to mature the saints. Okay, they've never discipled anyone in their lives. They can't function and therefore the church does not function. That's why you see churches are, everybody's wanting to grow the church numerically. You know why? If I get enough butts in the seats, I can get enough cash that I can hire ministers. And the people flock to that because they want to be ministered to. Paul told Timothy it was this way. They will heap to themselves teachers that will tickle their ears. I look at this group of people today and I see nothing but a bunch of ministers. A bunch of servants that should be serving one another sacrificially. Your number one priority in your life should be the saints of God because that is a manifestation of Jesus Christ. Sorry. Sorry. Well, what about family? What about family? I'm spending eternity with you, yahoos. You know what? Just look at it this way. You let brother tear out of the closet and he's yelling again. People cannot respond as they should if they're not exposed to biblical exposition. Okay, biblical exposition is a really cool way of explaining the Bible. But if it's not anointed, if it's not empowered by the Spirit of the living God, then it's useless. You might as well go listen to, uh, who was that guy that I used to listen to on a regular basis? Oh yeah, Timothy O'Leary. Don't ask. It was before I was saved. I was in college. I was becoming highly educated. If people don't know how to respond as they should and the body isn't built up, guess what happens? 
Satan rolls in with all the counterfeits, and off they wander, shepherd and sheep. And they look just like the world. And they all say, we love Jesus, yes we do. And it's got to be of God because all of this happened where? It was in the church. It was in the church. So it has to be of Jesus. Then you have nothing but the church in Corinth. I, confi- I define it as chaos and confusion. My commitment is to teach and preach the word of God, Period. Your commitment is to learn the Word of God, submit to the Word of God, obey the Word of God, know the difference between the true and the false, so that the body will be strengthened to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the first three verses that sets the stage for spiritual gifts. Most people teach this and study this verse 4 and following. What did they just do? Completely missed the whole purpose of what we do. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word, for your spiritual empowerment. Father, I just praise you for drawing us together this day and the amazing things you do. Lord, help us. Help us to decrease that you may increase. Help us to cast away the stuff of this world. Help us to be free from it, not to be entangled. Father, we're in this world, but we are not of this world. Father, allow the ministry that we have, the service that we have, be solely and only, only, Lord, through the power of your Spirit and your people. Because then, Lord, you get all the glory. Father, let us... Be motivated by that. To your praise. In Christ and Christ alone. Amen.